Hello and welcome to What We've Learned, episode nine. So Shane, we're here as ever uh, and this week we're going to talk about what I think customer experience. Yeah, we are, Steve, and and very relevant and appropriate because this week for me has been all about doing uh, a a training and delivering training on customer experience. Um, But the reason I'm particularly excited about the two guest speakers that we've got with us today is that actually what does customer experience mean in the crisis? What does it mean for all of us? And also a trend that was picked up by Forbes at the beginning of the year about the two biggest technologies that are going to impact on customer experience. Mm, interesting. Uh, and yes, technology, it's important to say, is part of this, and I'm sure it will come out throughout this this episode, but it's the human element as well. We can't just lean on technology to give us that experience. It's perhaps marrying the two together. Absolutely. And I think that's where the companies are either doing it brilliantly or getting it very wrong. And in fact, that that Forbes research that I referred to stated that the single biggest tech, along with the Internet of Things that they believed, and this is back in January, really before COVID hit, that was going to make the biggest impact on customer experience this year was chat. Interesting, which seems a logical place to start with our friend Joe Bush then, I guess. So Joe Bush is the managing director of the chat shop and they look after um, experts on online chat. But broader than that is Joe's experience base. And and I think, Shane, before I introduce him, what's what's also interesting in what you've just said is that actually we, we can't just lean on the technology. We can't just lean on the human. It's the blend together, as we've said. But right now, because it's scarcer traffic, we can't have the same quantity and quality of traffic. We've got to think really hard about converting it. And when I chatted to Joe earlier in the week, he made some really interesting points around we might focus on the conversion, but what about those that don't convert? And lots of other useful things. Lots from Joe, but I kicked him off by saying, well, what's his advice when it comes to try and improve that customer experience, particularly when it comes to the web? So. Generally, I would suggest mapping out that customer experience journey. So from the point that they are um, first interacting with your business through to the last and understanding where you're potentially letting people down or where there's kind of areas to to, to, to boost things. Um, you know, at the moment, the things that I've seen in, in a lot of other businesses is the online um, or offline customer experience is the one which falls as a as a as a last priority um and so if you can if you can look at what methodologies or technologies there are or equally partners which are out there which could potentially help you to help boost up those those areas um if you can can focus on customer experience now your customers are going to going to remember it in the future um and you know across different markets they're getting poor customer experiences and so you can really separate yourself from your competitors um, and turn your, your your customers into advocates and repeat customers by delivering an awesome customer experience yeah it's, it's a really nice point isn't it is that there is everywhere i've been of late in conversation there's a lot of fear of oh we mustn't sell right now if it's not appropriate but your point is that actually if, if you get that technology and that process right then you might not sell, but you're setting yourself up with that loyalty or that advocacy for down the line. When things do return to normal, they're going to remember you and remember what you did that was positive that's going to stand you in good stead uh, in, in months and years to come. 
Yeah. I mean, if, if you can't sell, what, what can you do? Everyone's probably had far too many emails saying in this unprecedented time and yeah. the new normal and coronavirus. Um, so we've, we've, we've got to do something. There's no point standing still. So why not look at this as an opportunity to, to um, you know, build new connections and deliver the very best customer experience, even if that is not quite what you were hoping to do because you're so busy. Um, for some reason or another. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a good point around busy. Actually, it's something that we Shane and I have spoken about in the past. Is that um, this is a great chance for the tasks that you wouldn't normally do. And as you said, your customer experience journey mapping. We probably know we should do more regularly than we do as an org- in organisations, but we don't always allow time for it. it. It sounds from what you've said is that it's vital that you're doing this. A, if you haven't got one, but B, perhaps any customer journey maps you had are out of date because the way things have suddenly changed on us. And I, for me, I think the, the area which people often forget is they focus too much on the customers which do buy and not enough on the customers which don't buy. So if you spend some time asking yourself, well, you know, we've had 100,000 visitors to our site, less than 2% have bought, what happened to that other 98%? Um, and so running kind of customer satisfaction surveys after the bought is great and it gives you some really, really good insights. But what about that other 98% which had intention to potentially buy from you but didn't? And that really is the biggest opportunity to um, get a return or, or, or get, get some semblance of, of growth in this current period is by focusing on increasing conversion rather than pumping more traffic necessarily into your, into your online presence. Yeah, it's a really, really good point. It's, it's very easy to forget the 98. You're so focused on high-fiving that you've got two out of the 100 that the 98 that, if you like, if it was the real world, came into your store, wandered around, and then you just let walk back out again. Um, in practical terms, Joe, then, if, if, you know, if people do want to look at that, that 98, the not missing out on the opportunity that's already there, that's visiting them, what are, what, where does technology or where does process play a part? What can people do to try and focus on, on gathering more of those 98 uh, before they disappear? I mean, there's, there, there's so many different techniques. Um, I, I guess you've got to ask yourself, um, is your marketing finding the right people to come through to the website? And does your, does your product match what they're, what they're looking for? Um, how well are you if, if kind of conveying the product market fit in your messaging? Um, you know, it kind of is, is what you're offering kind of good value for what you get. And by good value, I don't necessarily mean is it cheap, um, but at that price point, is it a competitive product based on what else is out, out there in the market? Um, people nowadays aren't just thinking about does this product fit my needs? Um, they're also thinking about everything else which goes around it. You know, can I trust this brand? Um, do they have the same kind of moral compass as me? How likely am I going to be able to get some customer experience, some customer service afterwards if things go go wrong? Um, and, so it sounds you know, like it's almost the objection handling. You know, if we could, if we could rummage through the crystal ball and know well, these are the reasons why people have bounced off the site because it didn't satisfy it didn't answer the questions it didn't give them the confidence that trust whatever it might be I mean this is why I was particularly keen to talk to you is because for me at least and I'm not experienced on this compared to yourself is that's where something like that chat technology if it's put in at the right place on the site might just be that equivalent to somebody being by the door that can ask politely is there anything I can help with today sir madam people 
when they're not when they're kind of unguarded they speak their mind far more yep. um yep. and the way we've generally approached chat is we're not we're not even though we create sales we don't sell um we just have a conversation and engage with them on a on a personal level and kind of break down barriers and add a add a human face to the to the brand um much like some you know brilliant uh kind of more face-to-face interactions that you might have um and in doing that people just speak their mind and they'll say things in a completely different way to if you'd kind of ask them to fill out a survey or whatever else just as part of the dialogue and from that you can really nicely understand um their intents their priorities you know who else they're they're evaluating alongside you where they are in 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 the buying process and also their potential objections um and so if you look at every conversation not necessarily as a opportunity to sell or not but also an opportunity to learn and build that back in um and likewise the sorts of questions they're asking um if everyone's asking about the dimensions of a particular product or the contract length of a particular service you can build that into your messaging so uh, on the website so it can become a continuous improvement process one thing i will say though is in most organizations the people handling the customer contact are you know over here and the people handling the marketing and the website are over there and there's a big disconnect between the two departments of the business um and so you can get that almost together. silo effect then joe that actually you're gathering all that great insight but it's not going to the place in the business that needs it to try and act upon it yeah i mean i think people don't always recognize the value in that data um mm-hmm. and it's you know it's it, it's qualitative which means it's very hard to to dig through and and find what you're looking for um and uh, yeah there's also a silo effect and, and they're not necessarily talking or engaging about exactly that but there's an interesting so it's quite an introspective um aspect that answer is that that helps as we talked about with this this question was around productivity but what you've also made a case for which is great is the experience is that um, almost it feels like if you get this technology right it gives you an empathy at scale so the ability for somebody to lower those barriers as you say through technology that gathers input for you which as long as you as you say you can process is very helpful but even if you don't it may leave that slightly disgruntled or objection um, holding customer or prospect that they may go from the site but they may well come back because that technology has just got them at the right time and, and given them the reassurance that you are the organization to, to come back to even if they don't convert immediately yeah t- t- technology is the vehicle or the mechanism um the big difference maker between um maybe matching your competitors and really beating them is by really thinking about how you apply that technology and who you've got running that technology and who's looking at how can we continuously improve this across every element of that part of the 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 business um you know in in the chat world often people see it as you know we place the the script on the website and get a couple of our team to sit and answer chats and you know it's a tick in the box and job done um when reality is there are so many different opportunities to really extract the most value um both for the business but also for the customer by looking at every element of that service delivery model and really optimizing it to making sure you're talking to the right people at the right time with the right messaging. Um, and also having a bit of a driving seat uh, in the conversation so that someone doesn't ask you a question, you respond and then they go away, but you engage them like you, like you would if you were in a face-to-face interaction with them, or at least you should be. 
What really resonated for me listening to Joe was that reminder about your non-responders, your non-engaged, that 98%, you know, in the old days of direct mail, we used to spend a lot of time looking at those that didn't convert because there was more data on it, quite simply. And that's true as much today as it was then. And I, I really love the fact, I think that Joe explains very practically um, how chat can really help a business today accelerate the sales pipeline and understand their customers better too. Yeah, again, Shane, I think it's back to that blend of human and technology. Just because you can put the technology in, if, even if just your website in place, you, you may lose people and, and that 98% or whatever the number is of people that aren't converting, sometimes the reasons, as, as Joe referenced and we all know, sometimes the reasons they've not converted are very simple ones. So if you can inject that person into the process via chat and, and whether that's automated or human chat or some other way of a customer being nudged along, that's often what's missing rather than whole scale changes. Absolutely. And I think at the moment, particularly that pace of change, you know, again, picking up the point, we want answers fast and quickly, instant responsive, you know, going back to the Google re research into the zero moment of truth. You know, mm. what happens when you land on a company's website? Do you get what you're expecting? Yeah, it, it, funny enough, it reminds me of an economist report uh, back in about 2002 uh, when I was client side. Um, where a very large report on e-commerce that my boss, the sales director of a tech company, brought to me and the rest of the board to try and help the case he and I were making for investment in the web. Uh, and the statement on that Economist report that I'll never forget was, your website is a paradigm of your organisation. Um, and that statement alone really helped us change direction in that company to convince people to say, look, what is it like when you go on the website? Is it clunky? Is it difficult to navigate? Is that a reflection of us as an organisation? yes or no well certainly that's what those users of that website may well feel if it's their only or first interaction so it's it's been important for a long time but certainly perhaps back to my point before joe traffic's even more precious right now we've got to convert as much as we can because times are tough yeah and i think this is where the times are tough and and again how do you humanize your website i think that's something it's great tech but you know you have an amazing um copy and all the rest of it but how can you be even more personal and relevant to your audiences today yeah it's another balance isn't it it's that technology and human together um just because you can use the tech just because you've got the humans you've got to get them in at the right stages um and that leads us on quite neatly to to our next guest which is Kirsty Dawes. So Kirsty, fascinating, really experienced B2B marketer and a very passionate one. Um, as you know Shane and others may do, she was uh, heavily involved and led really B2B, a, a well-respected and awarded agency in B2B for a long time. But she's very recently this year just become managing director of Webio, who are around web personalization as we'll talk about. But we just started chatting on that very subject Shane. How have things been and how when it comes to sales marketing do you marry the two together, technology and humans, in, in changeable times? I always enjoy chatting to Kirsty, and I'm just very excited that we have a, a UK tech company, uh, Webio, that is now run by um, a female business leader. Absolutely, and an award-winning one as well, as I'm sure we'll come back to after we've heard from Kirsty. So, obviously, across both businesses and really in our, our client base, um, as you would expect, um, we saw traffic change a lot, especially in March and early April. 
um, during that time, clients were seeing, uh, and as we're seeing, you know, a, a shift away from perhaps prospects, acquisition, and, and new business um, website visitors more towards customers. So there was definitely that 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 need during that time to um, to support customers. So we we really drilled into that in Webio um, and looked at you know, what we were doing to, to answer the questions that our customers might have not during this time. So not just, um, hey, you know, COVID-19, we're here to support you, but, but really thinking about what content um, information they would, they would find useful during that time. So there was definitely, definitely that change. And what was also interesting during that time was in some of our, um, in some of our clients, actually, the, the traffic you know, was changing in a different way. So different geographies were, were being supported um, where perhaps they weren't affected in the same way by, by lockdown. And um, everybody was just looking at, okay, what can we see in terms of who's on our site at the moment? And, you know, we obviously use tools like Lightly Forensics and we actually use a tool called SimilarWeb, which supports um, our acquisition efforts in terms of looking at, at client traffic. And then, you know, we're able to use that to, to make some decisions about, about how we reach out to them. Moving on, um, in April and May, we've definitely seen that change. So if you think March was like a bit of a slump, um, I honestly believe that was everyone getting to grips with this new way of working and, you know, panicking and, you know, saying, right, okay, I've got contracts, right, what am I going to do? Who am I still working with? How can I leverage what I've already got to make the most about what I have right now? And that's why there was this big influx of, you know, um, customer visit levels. Now, businesses are finding their flow with the new way of working. We are seeing those traffic volumes returning a bit more back to a normal state. And, you know, I was talking to um, one of our sales team has a client in the financial services sector who's supporting small businesses at the moment. Actually for them, they're seeing a real spike in traffic. So I think, yeah, it's really important for businesses to look at that and how that's changing on a weekly basis and ensure that their online presence now more than ever responds to that because that's the only place that people can see you. Yeah, it's such an obvious point, isn't it? And, and it's interesting, as you said, it's been that element of initial shock to the change, yeah. the, the very rapid change. And it sounds like what you're saying is there's we've kind of leveled out, not quite business as usual for sure, but um, rather than just being focused on keeping what we've got and customers and retention rather than new business, are we seeing a bit of a move back over the last few weeks into uh, April, May and beyond that people are beginning to think about doing new business it's okay to attract in um, people that we were attracting before or perhaps as you said those new markets yeah I definitely think that you know a lot of that is being driven by businesses having more comfort around what's happening now like we can see change and we can see that there is you know at least some sort of plan in place to get us to a level of normality or we found our way of normality and yeah part of that is right how are we going to drive business and, you know, we've benefited in, in Webio, um, particularly only because of uh, everyone buying in the digital arena. So they're all thinking, everyone is thinking, okay, how can I harness my website better? How can I make mm. sure that that is the one place where, 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 where I'm, I'm serving the very best experience? But yeah, there, there is absolutely appetite out there for the new 
and you know how can we do this better i mean i will say we you know in our own business we bought three pieces of software in april so okay. so you know we're, <laughs> I, I, hope I, so, we're, I hope software salespeople aren't listening in too readily for that <laughs> we're done we're done okay, with that majority. now no more no more but you know you've got to be forward thinking or else you just become paralyzed so it's about looking at what you've got and what is within your control and what you can do something about um, that's where businesses have to be with you know their customers their prospects and you know the experience that that they're getting online yeah that that word experience you've used a few times just then and it's a it, it's the slightly softer side that we mustn't forget of course a business is under pressure to sell to to continue to keep business from when it comes to the web because it's become front and center for businesses that as you said may not have just relied on the web they would have had more traditional yeah. sales and marketing routes what's the learning in terms of how does does one improve the experience even if it doesn't convert you know pounds and pence down the line any sure. thoughts on just in improving that experience for those that are going to come to find you yeah so you know i, I actually did um a talk for one of our clients a few weeks ago for for their resellers and it, it got me thinking and that, that now more than ever is a time for um us as b2b marketers and organizations to think about the legacy that we're going to leave post this situation and by that i mean if it's not a time to sell, um, it's a time to help. And then that, that means pushing content and information to the front of your site that will support your customers during this time. And also, I know that we, everyone's saying that we as marketers have a great deal of time to, um, to do all this stuff now. If we do or if we don't, what we can do is we can find people within our team to support us in creating that those hero pieces of content perhaps a, a really great 10 times piece of content that we've always wanted to do but that we know will really support and empower our clients it's maybe not about our product or service but something that they're really interested in and um, that will drive them during this time make sure all of that is really visible for them on the site so that when they go on they say well do you know what i couldn't buy that right then but when i went on i got stuff that helped me and you know, I was further down, I may be further down the journey as a direct result of that, or always better informed. So I'm gonna remember that business and I'm gonna come back to that business when I've got the opportunity to, to do something there. Um, the other thing, oh, sorry. No, 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 I was gonna say, it's a, help is such a powerful word. Please, yeah, mm -hmm. carry on. Well, it was the other thing I was gonna say is, from a help perspective, um, everybody's buying or researching or working at different times of the day now. And like, I know work never ends. And even before this situation, you know, we were all working, you know, early mornings, late evenings, etc. But now that actually is a key part of the working day. You know, I can speak from personal experience that I'm up at 5.15 a.m. trying to get stuff done before the, the kids wake up and then doing stuff when they're in bed. And if businesses can't support me during that time, that might be a challenge. So I actually think that making better use of, you know, not just live chat, but AI based live chat during that time can also help improve customer experience um, just to support people who might have questions, queries, because, you know, they're not always going to come in the nine to five anymore. And we need to think about that as marketers. Yeah, well, and also it's a, it's a really good point because they may not have that resource. So if you were previously relying on uh, humans to do that work mm -hmm. for you, they may not be available. And it's, you're right. It's such a good point is that 
there's almost being a leavening out a week lasts seven days during those seven days we work and we don't work rather than that much more demarked certainly in this part of the world monday to friday and then the weekend so yeah, yeah it's a really good point to use that technology and and it sounds like that that's almost an imperative Kirsty. if you don't do that you, you not forget the experience that's just missing out on good practice that is vital yeah. right now to keep through this chasm um to make sure that you get to the other side it's so that you know we i, I do think as b2b marketers unfortunately with the website we aren't talking to our buyers in the way that um, they expect to be communicated with as consumers. Um, you know, live chat being the perfect example, um, you know, those AI based, based conversations, like we, we, we talk, we even talk to our, we talk to our clients on WhatsApp. That's how we work now. Um, but B2B hasn't yet, I mean, a lot of B2B sites have, but B2B hasn't yet harnessed all of the things that we need to do to connect better with our buyers and create an experience for them which is more aligned to to them as um as consumers and um i think there's work to be done there from moving away from okay well the website is just it's static it's our it's our shop window and you know when they really get to know us is when they talk to a salesperson well everyone knows that about 70% of the purchase process is done before any of that ever happens. So we've got to make sure that the, the website is the best salesperson you've possibly got. Um, whether that be just, you know, super useful piece of information that they can give them while they're not, you know, in the buying space or educating them when they are. That's a really nice point, just how you can make sure that whether the website in this case is for sales whatever the purpose it's trying to mimic or replicate or get closer to being more personable uh, and in fact Kirsty, that leads me on to my next question which is around personalization if you've not already made a good case for it why is personalization so important on your website well obviously personalization is you know proven not just in the you know in the b2b space it's proven in the B2C space right across every single channel. And, you know, back when I think about my time at um, the agency, I, you know, would, would preach to my clients, right, everything has to be segmented. We would, you know, we've got to talk to these verticals differently. These guys are further down the funnel, so they need a different message. These are the, the MDs. They need a different message to the sales director, et cetera, et cetera. Like segmentation and personalization was key to driving success. And we would always get, very measurable uplifts in in the way that we would do that um, we're kind of letting our clients down because we don't do that on the website or we're not doing that on the website at the moment so if you think about you know all the effort that we're going into these you know the personalized campaigns that we're running um, we need to be replicating that same level of personalization on our website and that's not because um they want us to um, recognize them and say you know hi steve welcome back and, and get warm and fuzzy it's like we need to be making the experience more relevant for them because they are busy they don't have a lot of time they want to make decisions quickly and personalization for me is much more than the cute stuff um it is relevance and getting to the point and supporting your customers so when I think about personalization now, obviously the first go-to for, for businesses is thinking, okay, well, how can I use that to 
acquire more customers. Totally get it. Like relevance is, is a key way to do that. Um, you know, you can, you can think about the situation we're in, we're in now and you can think about, okay, well, what would the challenges be for different types of businesses during this time? So industry segmentation is obviously very powerful for us to, to look at when we're driving prospects to our website. You know, if we're talking to someone in financial services, they're going to have a completely different need um, for our product or solution to, than perhaps someone in, you know, construction or manufacturing. So um, that, that's a really important use case to, to look at. We should also be thinking about um, our customers and how we can support our customers during this time. So I love, you know, some of the work that we've been doing um, with our clients where we've been able to say, okay, well, let's look at your white space with your customer base. What else could they use right now that would support them during this time more than ever? And could you give them an offer on that? Could you give them something that is, you know, especially for them, look, for the next two months, we know this is going to be really useful for you as part of our, our solution mix, and we're going to give it to you for free. You know, thinking about identifying those audiences that you have and those customers in your base, and they go onto your website to log onto the tool or whatever, you know, find out, you know, something about um, a product or, um, you know, a query that they might have and immediately they're served an experience which says, we know this is going to help you right now and we're going to give you a special offer on it or even we're going to give it to you for free for the next two months so that you can, you can, you can get the benefits of it right now. Um, I think the customer level of personalization is really, really important during, um, during COVID. Um, the stage of funnel personalization that our clients using is, is also really um, important right now um, because a lot of clients have kind of halted in their journey through the sales funnel. So again, if they're not moving, how can we just give them good content that keeps them warm if they keep coming back? you know what you know while we might not be able to drive them down again how are we being super useful for where they are in their in their buying stage and then thinking about how the different sizes of businesses what might want to communicate with you during this time especially with you know your own team perhaps performing in a different way you might drive smaller customers through to like online demos and drive your larger customers or prospects through to um to talk to you know someone in your sales team so there is so much you can do with personalization which just makes businesses life easier and i think that's what we're missing out on with our b2b buyers is you know we're aiming to do it in every other way and then they go onto the website and it's almost like this deflation of like really like it, you know i'm the same as everyone else i have to go and find my industry my case studies my my proof points you know think about the industry personalization i love the fact that you know clients are able to say look here's 10 other logos of businesses that we worked with that looked like you and here's a piece of content that 20 percent of our customers in construction really really loved um you know that is great experience because it you know it's based on i can help you right now um to make your life easier and hopefully you'll choose me but, you know, you've had a great experience along the way.
it, it's funny, Kirsty. It's so obvious when you're listening to you talk about it that it's that big gaping hole in, in the marketing process, as, as you say, whether it's ABM and you're targeting one to one all the way back to slightly more broad mass marketing. We spend a lot of time and energy on personalization and relevance. And as you rightly said, you know, sending me a message that says, dear Steve or hi, Steve, when I pop up on the website sounds a bit cutesy. And to be honest, I know my name. I'd be much more interested <laughs> as a buyer yeah. to describe that get me to the good stuff quicker. So we do all that work to almost tailor and personal shop people all the way through the store. And the moment they get to the till, they forget their name or they treat them like any other customer. And that's the parallel for web yeah. is what you're saying is it gives people the chance to the experience from that potential customer side. But equally, what you're saying is sounds like it just makes a business from a sales and marketing point of view, much more productive and perform better by giving people what they want. It's, it's a win-win, surely. It is absolutely, a, it absolutely is a win-win. It's, you know, you'll hear Gartner, you'll hear Forrester talking about the power of personalization. And, um, you know, one of the stats that I love is that, you know, 71% of B2B buyers say that their website is the most powerful touch point when they are buying, because the truth is, whatever you buy, whether you're in an RFP process or, you know, you're, you're buying something, you will always go to the website and um, to have then like, you know, let's, let's think about it. So you've got top salesperson talking to you through all of these campaigns, these emails, and we get you, and we know you. And then you go on to exactly as you described, like about to check out, go onto the website to check them out. It's like, okay, who are you? We don't remember anything about you. And um, it, translates into results um so and you know, the personalization bit's interesting because actually what you described you can get very micro one one message to one business but I, I guess for anyone that's new to this it's not you mustn't miss as you've described you can do it at a more uh, industry level so if somebody comes onto your site and is from a particular industry it doesn't need to be at one-to-one -one level to be personalized or if we expand it out to be really relevant to the people that are coming onto your website yeah, hundred percent. That was that would always be the place that we would advise clients to get started, and um, because that is where you're going to have the biggest impact. And obviously, you can create one-on-one -on -one, um, ABM-based experiences and measure the engagement with those businesses. But by creating industry-based personalizations at scale, you can very easily measure success. So we always encourage clients to to set these up. Obviously, look at okay, what are you going to personalize? The most important things: the image the headlines, the content, the links to the types of content that you've got on there, the proof points in terms of, you know, logos, case studies that you've got for their industry. And where we're seeing clients doing that really well, this is a stat that I literally get about, is um, the average uplifting conversion is 438%. Um, wow. And, it, you know, again, it goes back to the, I suppose, I'm going to reference the talk I did last week, you know, the, it's the help me personalization that's the powerful bit and doing that, that 50% split test. So we always say, I know every, every client gets super excited about wanting to do personalization. Like, yeah, we'll just do it to everyone. We'll say, no, 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 do 50, 50 at least for the first, like, you know, month and a half until you see where you are and you've got enough traffic to make it statistically valid. And so they can actually measure directly during exactly the same time period, um, what they're getting. And, you know, and then they can go into ABM experiences, but, you know, you can select the clients that you want that to do that to. And that can actually not just be at acquisition level, but it might be pipeline. It might be a customer that you're 
in proposal with that, you know, or you've done an RFP for that, you know, again, God, you've gone to town on that RFP with this big financial services business and they go to check out your website and it's like the same, you know, you can create an experience there that reflects all the information that they asked you about in RFP to kind of reinforce this is, this is why you should work with us or, you know, you spoke to, to Paul last time, you know, here's a great piece of content that he thought would be useful for you. That, that's really powerful. But the, the at scale personalizations is where you're going to get your, your biggest return because you can start to talk to an audience, you know, in a way that's really relevant for them um, straight away. Fascinating stuff, Shane. And as ever with Kirsty, it's not just about good thought, it's measurable good thought as well. Some really, really compelling numbers on why not just technology for technology's sake, but how these sorts of technologies, whether it's personalization through something like Webio, whether it's chat, whatever it is, the important thing to remember is can you prove the value of it? Does it help you do more? Does it help you do more with less? I think to that point at the moment, you know, all of the people listening to this are taking a hard look at their budgets and need to make some tough decisions about, you know, what's going to be marketing in, in the future and what's going to make it up and what they invest in and what they cut. And to me, these are both really good examples of something that you can pilot, you can test, you can build the evidence and you can show it makes a difference relatively quickly. Um, and I think that's why people are turning to tools like this. They're making the business case very quickly and turning them on in order to drive that revenue because that's what we've got to do. Mm. Uh, yeah, absolutely agree. I think it's always worth remembering that you've got to have your house in order as well. So as Joe said, when you talked about conversion, you've got to have the right kind of quality of product as well. Uh, if you've not got the decent quality product or service you can optimize the hell out of things but you still aren't going to necessarily sell what you need to and of course know, that's a sorry. lovely point about the product yes steve i'm jumping in there because yeah, actually, sure. you just reminded me um that you know one of the things on the, the customer experience course we were talking about this week is this fundamental challenge for so many b2b marketers particularly about having been so long been driven by selling products selling service lines um and actually, that just seems really old fashioned in today's world. So how when somebody you know, lands on your website and you've maybe got a product line of 16,000 products, if you're a manufacturer, how do you take them straight to the right one? Mm. Um, that's the contextual relevance that I think is exciting. Yeah, absolutely. That ability to filter back in. I think there's so much potential for the technology. But and I've been involved in technology for a long time, 20 plus years of marketing technology or as a marketer having to wrestle with technology to be more precise. Uh, but I've never been a fan of technology for technology's sake. But certainly you can see that the business case um, for using these these tools to help improve what you've got um, in tougher times. And also practically, Shane, when if you have got as a lot of organizations will staff are not available to you, they've been furloughed, perhaps or worse the technology gives you a bit more scale down that front as well. I agree. I and mean, it's asking that really important question, what problem does it solve? You know, this technology, if I bring it in, what problem does it solve both for my business, but even more important, and we're talking about customer experience, what problem does it solve for my customers? How does it make it easier for them? How does it help them? Mm, 
Okay. And actually, Shane, maybe that's a good place to wrap on the subject of experience because our audience, well, if it's anything like the weather that you and I are staring out on now, it's a very sunny day. They may well enjoy our podcast, but they may well enjoy a happy, sunny Thursday more. Uh, and if I may, rather than saying just thank you to you, Shane, and to Kirsty, but particularly to Joe, because if I'm going to be really personalised for the day, I do understand via LinkedIn, it's Joe Bush's birthday. So from Shane and I, happy birthday to Joe. And to the rest of you, thanks ever so much for listening.